2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount
1: using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified
2: customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
0: We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com.
2: Oh, yeah, folks, I think we're going to be playing this song a lot here coming up. The winter storm. We're going to all have to be riding it out, right? I know, a little cheesy to start it. Okay, folks, it's 848 in St. Louis. Dave Simons here filling in at your service tonight. Obviously, a delayed entry here. But you know what? I never mind starting late if one of our local teams actually does well and wins. I listened to a little bit of the Billikens game. And it looked like that they man they're gonna they're gonna lose this conference game, but they they won great great comeback. So I don't mind sitting in the studio and listening to that. Um, you know, it also gave me time to plug in to the debate that was going on or is still going on up in Iowa, uh, Desantis and Haley, and then switching over to Fox where you can see the Donald Trump town hall. Yes. If I have to comment on it, I, I, I got to do both, right? Some of you are going, oh, that's great. You're watching that. Ooh, why would you watch that? Now, if you're listening to the show, you probably don't care for either one, right? Because you're here. You're listening to X, And thank you very much for that. There might be di- different reasons why you have no interest in watching either one of those. Number one, um, you don't really care much about politics. Or you do, but you're just... <laughs> You're like numb to it right now. It's still early, right? It's only mid-January, and and we're going to be listening to this and watching this and being inundated with political talk all the way until November. And You're like, I, I want to sit this out right now. Others are not even Republican, and you don't like that party, so you'd never watch anyway. Whatever reason brings you to the... Shortened version of at your service tonight. Welcome. My name is Dave Simons. I'm a certified financial planner by day. That's the career. That's the one that puts food on the table and pays the bills. But occasionally they let me out for good behavior and allow me to come down to the KMOX studio and host this very show we call at your service. So politically, uh, I will get back in my lane. I'm not a political analyst, although I am a political junkie. But being in my lane is, okay, how does this impact the financial markets? If who whoever might win in November, what will the markets do? Well, obviously, we have no idea at this point who is going to win. But I can already kind of feel pretty confident in making an opinion, uh, an educated guess, a professional guess, to say it really won't move the markets like you think. It never you show me the history because there is no history. We can even look at recent history in 2016, the calls of a major correction, if not crash, certainly a recession. If Donald Trump wins, that came from none other than the esteemed economist of The New York Times, Paul Krugman, who is uh, a liberal economist. And he was expecting the economy basically to crash. Those are his words. And, of course, it didn't. The market performed very well. Then fast forward to 2020, the same thing was said but of the other side. So we just reversed political roles here. And the call was if Joe Biden wins in 2020, look out, expect a crash, and the opposite happened. The market went straight up for the next 14 months. In fact, we really didn't get any decent-sized correction until we got into 2022, and that was based more on inflation and the Fed raising rates, and, you know, you you can always put certain things at the feet of political leaders. I'm talking about campaigns, and I'm talking about elections. That's all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about certain political decisions may or may not have an impact on the financial markets. That's a whole different topic. The concern a lot of people have is how about the actual winner of the GOP primary and ultimately the winner in the November general election? And adding on to that, of course, how about the makeup of Congress between the Republicans and Democrats? What will that do to the financial markets? And I'm telling you, there is no history in any political campaign or election or outcome that has drastically changed or moved or impacted the stock market. So let me assuage your concerns if you have them. You can certainly have your concerns if that other person wins based on the direction of the country. That is fair game. I am just staying in my lane of expertise and telling you might be plenty of things to worry about, but the direction of the stock market will be impacted By other events. And typically, what are those other things? Well, it's the usual fare, really. Let me ask you this. Whoever wins in November, do you think people will suddenly decide, oh, I don't want to go out and buy an Apple iPhone anymore? Do you think that that will stop someone to getting on an airplane and taking that vacation that they had planned for some time? Will that stop you from going to your favorite restaurant, going to the malls to update your wardrobe? Do you think that will change your spending habits, needs, or plans? And the answer, of course not. Those things are impacted on cor- by corporate earnings and natural economic cycles that occur over time. All right, so that's my take on that. now. Here's something interesting that's uh, also happened, not here in the U.S. and not related to our politics at all, and that's the fact, little trivia here for you, the Japanese stock market today, the Nikkei index, I got to throw this out or I'll forget before I sign off at 10 o'clock because I think it's a big deal. The Nikkei index hit a high back in 1989 that it's never reached since. Can you imagine that 34 years ago? It touched thirty eight thousand, thirty nine thousand 39,000 actually, Today, the Nikkei got back above thirty-five thousand for the first time since December of eighty-nine. You know, the Dow here is thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand. Can you imagine the Dow falling below ten thousand? Because that's what the Nikkei did. The Nikkei hit thirty-nine thousand in the fall of eighty-nine. Thirty-nine thousand. The Dow itself is not too far from that big number. And by 2011, the Nikkei was under 10,000, and since then, it has worked its way back up. It's been in a major bull market since 11, but all it's been is a round trip and still isn't to where it was some 33, 34 years ago. So kind of a big number that it hit, but it still has a little way to go. All right, this is, of course, a short and little first hour, but don't go anywhere in the second hour. We've got plenty of things to talk about, including a guest that we're going to talk to about, I think, is a wonderful charitable organization. And I'm also going to talk to you personally about the year of 1984. And I'm not talking about George Orwell or Van Halen, but yours truly, Dave Simons. Don't go anywhere. We shall return shortly. Well, this is the second hour, although you wouldn't really count it as the first hour previously, a little bit of a a shortened edition of the first hour of At Your Service tonight because of Billikens basketball, and of course, the local team won, so that's always a good thing. Welcome back. My name is Dave Simon, certified financial planner by day, all-round nice guy, 24-7, and occasional fill-in guest host of At Your Service, and so that is what I'm doing tonight until 10 o'clock. So one of the things that I was uh, went very public about in my uh, profession over the past year or so was to push back on this narrative that somehow the housing market was really going to correct. Not necessarily even like the Great Recession where the housing market blew up. It was about the worst crash known in modern times in United States history nothing like that necessarily but the conventional wisdom was because of higher mortgage rates that the housing market would not only have to cool but would have to come down because it had been so hot and it had been no question about it how home prices had really rocketed up and people were saying you know what the last time we saw this was back in the early 2000s mid 2000s and we saw what happened then and i would push back on that and i'd say folks it's completely different what caused the market to do very well early on in the, um, in, you know, 20 years ago is not what's pushed housing prices up this time. Completely different reasons. But the biggest thing that kept me from joining the cacophony of worry warts out there was the fact of supply and demand. The simple econ 101 equation, supply and demand. Our supply of homes in this country for sale was historically very low, multi-decade low. So you could have demand that was going down, and it, and it was and has been as mortgage rates were going up, but supply had remained really low. So the supply-demand equation did not favor some big drop in home prices, and it turned out that I have been right, and the evidence continues to come in. Now, that doesn't mean that some cities, some of the previous hot cities, didn't see some declines, and there's certainly been a leveling off. That's going to happen. And the days of wanting to go out and buy a house and 23 other offers come in in the same day and cash value for 10% above, I lived in that. I We downsized two years ago. We were right in the middle of that. It was great when we sold our house. We had two offers the very first day, cash offers, and obviously we took the best one. It worked against us, though, on the other side, right? When we're looking for homes, this was really like our sixth or seventh home that we put an offer on where we live now. Well, those days are over. We're back to more normal types of data, including this. Home prices, this is the latest, just came out. For the month of November, home prices jumped 5.2% from a year ago. So not only has the declines that we were starting to see some very small declines in the summer and the early fall, now things are starting to go back up and on an annualized basis, they're 5.2% higher. One of the main reasons is because mortgage rates have started to come down a little bit. They're still significantly higher than they were, of course, um, a couple of years ago before we had the fed raising rates, but it's enough to just to spur a little bit of action while supply is still down. Now, If I were to ask you, okay, class, home prices, on average, nationally, went up 5.2% a year ago. You tell me the number one metro area with the biggest increase from a year ago in home prices. Number one, name the city. It's going to be a large city, major metro areas. I seriously doubt, unless you cheated and you looked, that anybody would get it. I will tell you the number two, not a great surprise. Miami, Miami was number two, 8.3% increase from a year ago. The number one answer with an increase from one year ago, 8.8% higher, Detroit, Michigan. I kid you not. Now, one of the factors behind that, one of the reasons is they had a very... Detroit lagged behind when home prices were going much higher. So they had a much lower bar. And finally, when things started to even out and reach equilibrium, Detroit finally has started to come up maybe some where the national averages are. But that shocked me. I thought Detroit, really? Well, good for them. All right? They could use some good news. So they led the way. Miami is number two. Now, how about states? So we're just going to look at uh, states. That is, I had it here. Oh, this is interesting. The top three all connected together in the New England area. The biggest jump in home prices from a year ago. Rhode Island as a state came in at number one, 11.6%, the average home in that state. Number two, Connecticut, 10.6%. And number three, New Jersey, 10.5%. Only two states posted a decline, along with Washington, D.C. So only three entities, if you, were, uh, if you will, geographical entities, showed any kind of a decline. The worst was Idaho. That kind of surprises me. Now, we saw some huge increases. Places like Court d'Alene and others, Boise, have really seen some big home prices. So, again, that's just correcting back to sort of regression to the mean, if you will. Uh, Idaho had a drop, uh, 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 you know, kind of a small drop, down 1.3%. Utah was the only other actual uh, state of the 50, down 0.4. So just a little bit of a decline. But they had also seen some huge increases. Salt Lake City, a big hot market. And then the aforementioned D.C., down 0.2%. Now, what's interesting is, is we kind of span our horizons here. And we look at the entire world. You, don't, you know how many billions of people who kind of live in poverty, really, and, and they look at data, they would not say, who cares? I don't, I don't really even have a home. I live kind of in a community dwelling with a lot of other relatives. This is what we have. I mean, you're talking about r- rural poverty-stricken areas of India, even in China. Central America, parts of South America, into Africa, Eastern Europe. So much of the world, this kind of talk is foreign to them. Home prices, yeah, whatever. Doesn't mean anything to me. I've been lucky enough and blessed enough to travel to many countries in the world on charitable related trips, if you will, or missions trips. And It's interesting. There are two kinds of things that we look at here. There is those who just are trying to get through the day, just sustenance. That's what you go over there for. So maybe you're involved in drilling for water. That's all they need. That's all they – just give us some clean living water because so many people in our community die. Then the next step above that is, okay, once a community has clean living water and they have food and they can actually live – what's the next thing? How about education? How about helping people to actually maybe start a small business? You don't hear that as much. When you hear about people going around the world and helping those in poverty, it really does start a lot of times with, hey, let's just make sure they have clean water and let's make sure that they have enough food and they have good sanitation, all important stuff. But what you don't hear so much is, How can we improve the educational system then in some of these areas after that? How can we make sure that we are teaching people the entrepreneurial skills to maybe actually improve in their community? And there's an organization here nationally that does just that, that has a little bit of a St. Louis connection. I just recently learned about it. It's very, very interesting. So when we come back, we're actually going to talk to a local representative of this particular organization. I want to try to give them some publicity. I think it's a great uh, idea. It's called Help One Now. So stay with us. We'll talk to one of the local reps of Help One Now when we come back with more at your service.
3: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight the better the reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward Modelo the mark of a fighter drink responsibly beer imported by Crown Imports Chicago Illinois
2: Welcome back. Live in the KMOX studios, Dave Simons filling in for At Your Service tonight. It is 921 in St. Louis. So a few months ago, I was invited to come and listen to some folks talk about an organization I had never heard of before. And there are so many wonderful, charitable organizations. Um, I admit I'm a sucker for learning a, a lot about these um, types of organizations that help people around the world, especially when it's to help eradicate anything related to poverty. So does that mean go and dig wells? Okay, I'm in. Anything that's going to help kids, communities, anything like that. And so I was really struck by this organization that I didn't know anything about because it's so different. And I thought, when I get a chance, I'm going to have somebody on at your service when I fill in to give them, I think, some good publicity. So I'd really like a lot of you at the end of this excuse me, to go in and check this organization out. I think it's very worthwhile. And so don't take my word for it. We're going to go to one of the experts, somebody who actually works for them as a regional advocate based out of St. Louis here, Ashley Auker. And Ashley is on the line with us here on CAMOX. Welcome to the show, Ashley.
4: Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Absolutely. So tell us a little bit uh, about the mission here, the true purpose of Help One, and one is spelled out O-N-E, Help One Now.
4: Yep. Uh, So Help One Now exists um, to empower families who are living in extreme poverty in developing countries around the world. And we do that through um, entrepreneurship, education, and restorative care.
2: So are these communities, and and, and I'm looking at some of the uh, list of countries, so... Mm-hmm. Ethiopia, Haiti—that's some of the folks who were talking at the the event that I went to. We're talking about what was going on down there: Peru, Uganda, Zimbabwe. And mm-hmm. so, are these communities where they're already there's something already thriving a little bit? We're, we're not talking about just giving them the basic necessities. They already have food. They already have in in most cases water. This is just saying, all right, the next step here is how can we bring education to the community? How can we bring entrepreneurial skills so these communities can be self-sustaining? Am I, am I kind of touching on this in the right way? Yeah,
4: absolutely. Absolutely. So people who live in extreme poverty um, make less than $2 a day, um, and we come alongside them to help them um, go beyond that. So if that means getting their kids in school, um, that means helping them launch a business, and sometimes it means other things. It does. It can mean they need water, or they need medical care, or things like that. We'll come. We're we're pretty holistic um, in how we care for people, but our primary focuses are education and entrepreneurship.
2: And Ashley, is that bringing people from, let's say, the United States down into these communities, people who are experts in these various fields, or are you also using people natives to those areas then to come into those communities and help locally? How does that work?
4: Yeah, so we um, follow a local leader model, which means that we come alongside leaders who are already living in the communities, and they are having, their ministry is thriving. Um, So what they're doing is um, already pouring into the people around them. We come alongside them, offer them support, follow their lead, and, um, and help them bring their communities further along in the journey against extreme poverty.
2: And Ashley, people love success stories of, of any of these countries that I've talked about or any specific uh, program. Can you give us a success story, a real-life example of something that has worked through Help One Now?
4: Yeah. So um, we were able to, um, through some generous donors, empower a family to launch a family business. Um, And the leader of this business was a woman called Dulce, um, which ironically means sweet in Spanish. Mm. Um, She's from the Dominican Republic, and she launched a business where she sells ice cream out of her home. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I've tasted the ice cream. It's incredible, especially Mm. because the Dominican Republic is hot. Um, But um, it was really wonderful to meet her, and because um, she was empowered through our family business program, Um, She was exposed to more opportunities, so her daughter was able to get a stable job, and her granddaughter um, was actually able to get into school, and um, now this granddaughter is studying to become a doctor, and she wants to come back to this community that she grew up in to provide medical care for these people who desperately need it. So just seeing... um, the cycle of generational poverty broken right before my very eyes. Um, it's, it's just incredible.
2: Yeah, that is a great story. We're talking it over with Ashley Auker, regional advocate for Help One Now. And Ashley, you, uh, you worked for a well-known large church here in the St. Louis area. Why? You decided one day, you know what, I'm going to go do something else, and this is the organization I want to be a part of. Why?
4: yeah that's a great question you know sometimes I think we get these nudges um, I think they're divine nudges um, and I really was just kind of following that call um, and have have since gotten to meet some of the most incredible people um, who maybe by our standards aren't quite as successful as some of some other people that I've met before but um, are so filled with joy and life and um, and are thriving in their communities in their own way.
2: And speaking of people, when I was looking over the website and looking at the leadership, and I, I see Chris Marlowe there. Chris is listed as the founder and CEO. Tell uh, the listeners a little bit about Chris's background and why he even decided to start this.
4: Yeah, so Chris Marlowe um, was a pastor and found himself in Zimbabwe um, a number of years ago, and there were. Um, they were. They had been on a long trip and stopped at a gas station. And there were some children living in that gas station that said, "Hey, can you help us?" And um, Chris said, "I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. We're on our way to this other thing. I've brought exactly what I need for this other thing." Um, and ever since then, that kind of um, again one of those divine nudges um, put that in his heart to care for um, for orphan children. So we started as a primarily orphan care organization. Hmm. And then we realized that sometimes orphan care can be prevented if we pour into families. Um, So that's sort of how that story went.
2: Yeah, wonderful. So, Ashley, let everybody know how they can learn more about Help One Now. Give us a website, uh, the way that people potentially can donate.
4: Yeah, so um, head on over to helponenow.org. And um, like Dave said, it's spelled out, so it's helponenow.org. Um you can learn more about us. You can find me on there if you want to grab coffee sometime or you want to hop on a Zoom call. I would love to talk to talk with you more. Um, you can also donate by going to help dot noworg
2: slash donate. And funny you say that, because what did we do a few weeks ago? Ashley is correct. Uh, we got together for coffee in Chesterfield Valley, so I could learn more about the organization. I said, okay, uh, I'm sold. Um, so I, I, I'd like to be a part of this organization. In full disclosure, I have also donated, and I'm really looking forward to coming alongside. And the least I can do is to give you guys, I, I think, some much-needed publicity, some well-earned publicity. And so take Ashley up on the offer and go to that website at helponenow.org. Very, very yeah. worthwhile uh, nonprofit organization. Ashley Auker, thank you so much for your time tonight. God bless, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Dave. All right. That is Ashley Auker from Help One Now. You know, and I don't do that very often. In fact, when, is, when have I ever had any guest on to talk about an organization like that. I've been on KMOX off and on since 1996. I don't know that I have before, but, and I do get involved in charitable organizations. I have been on the board of a couple of them. So this one, I really like the kind of work that they're doing and uh, would urge you to take a look. Okay. So why do I have a heart for these kinds of things? Well, a lot of times it's just your upbringing. Some of it's just your DNA, your personality. It's hard to quantify. I think a lot of it goes back to uh, my life, believe it or not, some 40 years ago. I'm not kidding. Back when I was 22 years old in 1984, the most impactful year in the history of my life. In fact, I just recorded a 30-minute podcast about what happened to me in 1984. It was indeed the worst of times before it became the best of times. I want to play a little snippet of that podcast just to get you a taste. It was released this morning. I'll tell you how to access it, but I'll give you a little bit of a snippet of that podcast when we come back with more at your service after this break. Stay with us. In case you all didn't know, that's the great Eddie Van Halen, Hot for Teacher, the album 1984. Of course, we also know about the famous book by George Orwell, which you're going to hear me reference here in just a minute. But 1984 is probably the most influential year of my entire life. Someone who was born back in 1962, and it uh, was a horrible year for me, frankly. But it changed my life. Forever, And it it gets me back to the fact that uh, one of the things that bother, bothers me in modern culture is we try to make things so easy and we take away anything that might cause any kind of pain, some emotional pain. I'm not saying that we want that to happen. What I'm saying is so many times great things come out of that. Some of the greatest inventions, some of the greatest people who have invented things and made our lives better and easier is because of some really tough things that happened to these people younger in life, and it made them stronger. I would not have the success that I have today, as it's defined by earthly success, nowhere close. If I hadn't gone through some of the worst things that anyone could go through, and they all happened to come together in 1984 for me. Now, some of the things are just like, wow, that's crazy, but is that really such a big deal? To Yeah, that's really a big deal. So... I recorded, you know, I have this Simon's Says podcast, which I'll talk about afterwards and how you can access it. But the one that I released today, it's 30 minutes long. I'm not playing the full 30 minutes. I'm going to play a, a clip of about 10 minutes right here. Stay with it because it's going to really set up the rest if you wanted to go on yourself and listen to this. So this is the beginning as I set up kind of how the start of 1984 went for me. Take a listen. Question for you. Have you ever had someone point a gun straight at you and threaten your life? Kind of a dramatic, provocative way to start this episode, isn't it? That happened to me a number of years ago. As you can tell, I survived it. I'm here. Let me back up a little bit, though, to set that up. As we talk about a particular year in history, 1984. Actually, in in American culture, it's kind of an iconic year, isn't it? I mean, think about the famous book by George Orwell, 1984. And for those of us into rock music, there's the really well-known best-selling album by Van Halen, 1984. Happened to be David Lee Roth's last album with the band. And then there's my own personal 1984 which is probably the most important, dramatic, life-affirming, and life-changing year ever in my life. And I could be to a, live to be 100, and I'm thinking 1984 will still stand out as the year. Mostly terrible reasons, but one dramatically good one. And I'm hoping that there are some lessons that I can impart in that, especially for those of you who are really struggling right now with some things. So l- l- let me talk about it in this way. So I'm going back to 1984, basically 40 years ago. I'm a senior at Mizzou. It started off terrible that year and continued to deteriorate, deteriorate until I found that I was homeless. There are a lot of moving parts to this, and I don't have – I could sit here and do a two- or three-hour podcast, but I've got to narrow it down. So I'm just going to highlight the low points. It all started basically in March of that year. Again, I'm a senior. And I have a friend at Mizzou who is not from St. Louis. He's never been to St. Louis. And I, in March I said, hey, you and me, buddy, this weekend, we're going to go to my hometown and I'm going to show you around. We're going to go up in the arch, which we did. We're going to see some of the sights. I'll show you some of the nightlife. We can stay at my mom's place. She's living in Maryland Heights. For those of you not in St. Louis, that is a suburb of St. Louis on the, on the western side. And he said, great, we'll do it. We worked at a Mexican restaurant together, and we were working on a Friday night, so we didn't get away until later. So we're driving at night, and as we're getting closer to my mom's place, I said, hey, let me show you where I went to high school. In St. Louis, that's a big thing. That's all I'll say. And he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. I said, it's right here off the highway, Wentzville High School. Now, back in the day, there was only one. I think they're building their fourth now, if I understand right. Shows you how fast that place has grown over the years. So... Again, remember, this is at night. It's probably about 10 o'clock or so. And it's dark. And so I drive in there, and it's an empty parking lot. And I go, yeah, this is where history, like like he really cared, but he was being a good friend and listening. He was indulging me. And he said, hey, dude, um, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. All right, we're guys, right? We'll go anywhere. So he opens the door, empty parking lot, all dark, no big deal. And all of a sudden, boo, woo, woo, are you you kidding me there was a cop sitting back there in the dark, never saw him. I am not kidding. There was a record of it somewhere. We ended up going to jail. Public urination. I didn't do anything, but I got thrown in there at the same time. We spent, yes, I can claim on my life's resume. I actually spent a night in jail because my buddy engaged in public urination. We weren't even drinking obviously. anyway, 24 hours later, again, this is mid-March of 1984, I take them down to a place called The Landing in St. Louis. Many of you know it. Uh, not as popular as it was back in the day, but very much of an entertainment, entertainment center, if you will, right along the riverfront, bars, music venues, all that good stuff. Just a happening place. And we were having a great time. We go park there. But because we're poor college kids, we didn't want to pay the five bucks in public parking, which would have been the smart thing to do safety-wise in a downtown major city. No, um, we're going to park off in some empty field a little bit north of the landing, unlit, nobody else up there. You can see where this is going to end. After we decided we were out of money and we need to go home, it's about midnight if I remember right, we're walking and all of a sudden out of nowhere, bam, I get punched in the face. Down I go, getting kicked. I start, I, I had a, a a bloody face. I look up my friend and there and two other guys are grabbing him. Miraculously, somehow, without getting seriously hurt, we managed to extract ourselves from the situation. We start running back toward the light of uh of the landing, the three teenagers giving chase. Uh, my buddy, by the way, is a track athlete at mizzou he ran track i think i was pretty much keeping up with him it's amazing what adrenaline will do i drag my sorry butt home with a bloody mouth and that was all in 24 hours spent a night in jail and got jumped by three teenagers that was one of the best parts of 1984 to believe believe it or not a couple of months later it's may of 84 i graduate broadcast journalism Some of my friends in the journalism school are starting to go find jobs, whether it's print journalism or advertising or whatever, broadcasting, where my best friends were. They were starting to go off to these little cities to start their career. For whatever reason, it was not happening for me. Maybe my resume tape didn't look good. I have no idea. I was up for a job in Fort Smith, Arkansas, down to two people, didn't get it. I drove down to Beaumont, Texas, All drove all the way down. They said I was one of two people for the final reporting job, didn't get it. We go into the summer. I'm now running out of money. I'm still working at this Mexican restaurant, and my lease on the apartment in Columbia is about to end in July, and I have a decision to make because I can't sign up for another 12-month lease. I, I, I can't do it. The best part of the year happens at that time. It's now in the summer of July of 84. I fell in love. First time ever. If you saw the long-form episode that I did with my mom, you'll understand what I'm about to tell you, um, I think, in, in context. But I never wanted to get close to anybody. I didn't allow it. I never dated in high school, seriously. Um, I never dated in college. I didn't want it. I I really steered clear of it. I was afraid of it. I didn't want to make myself vulnerable to it. But something happened in the summer, and this very attractive young lady fancied me uh, from the apartment complex. And we started dating. And, I mean, it it really almost was love at first sight. I had never felt that kind of deep love in my life, and I was 22 years old. I had never had anyone say, I love you. Until then, in the summer of 22, including family, nobody had ever said it to me. And it just, I was undone. I fell head over heels. But I had to move back in with my mom. I couldn't stay in Columbia because I couldn't afford to do it. So to save money, I moved back with her. Um, Again, I don't want to go into a lot of details. It wasn't the most pleasant experience. It became untenable at, at, at one point. But we got along. Okay. I, though, had to find a job. I had to pay a little bit of rent to my mom to stay there. And all I could find at that time, very quickly, I needed to find a job quickly. And the first place I found was working at a Texaco station there in Maryland Heights, working the graveyard shift, overnights, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And I just had a bad feeling. I, I I just had it. I had an inkling. And we go back to how I started this podcast. Have you ever had someone point a gun at you and threaten to kill you? And it happened. It's now October of 84. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, somebody walked in with a mask and a gun. And I kid you not, in this hand here, a wiffle ball bat. A wiffle ball bat. He had the thing that could really kill me and this thing that could maybe Hurt me a little bit. I, it's the weirdest thing. I have no idea. But it was really the long plastic yellow wiffle ball bat, whatever. So he throws a bag. He brought his own brown paper sack. And he said, guess what this is? Now, let me tell you something. This is, this is defense mechanisms that we have. I went numb. It's weird. I wasn't like all of a sudden, I'm so scared. You know what? It, it was more of a feeling of resignation. I actually thought in that split second of time, well, isn't this the blankety-blank? A college graduate with my diploma, and this is where my life ends at 22, I'm shot in the head at a Texaco station overnight. Oh, man, We're, we're live back in the studio. There's so much more to it. I won't bore you with all the details now, but I need to take a break. And I'll just have a few more comments, and we'll move on. Thanks for indulging me in part of that story. There's a longer lesson to be learned there. We'll address a little bit of that when we come right back.
0: The Voice of St. Louis. News that matters to you. KMOX.
2: It is 8 minutes before 10 o'clock, and that's when I will say goodbye for the night. But I will be back on as a guest host at your service, uh, let's say, a week from tomorrow. So that would be next Thursday, the 18th, from 8 to 10. And I really hope that you can all join me at that time. So I would also love uh, for you to uh, give this podcast a chance. You know, I am a media junkie, of course. I think you've already picked up on that. My background, I've sort of explained it broadcast journalism. I did that for 10 years through the 80s and early 90s before completely changing course and becoming the certified financial planner that I am today. But as the media has changed over these many years, I've, I've really tried to stay plugged in. And when this whole concept of this podcast stuff started a number of years ago, I remember thinking that would be so cool. That's right up my alley. I'd love to do something like that. But I work in an industry. That has all kinds of rules and regulations. And it's really prevented me from wanting to do that. So I didn't really give much thought about it, frankly, until the firm I work for uh, about a year ago or so started to make that available if some of their employees wanted to do podcasts. Now, there are still some limitations on it. So I do two types of podcasts. I do a long-form version. That's what I call it. And that's that's where you just have the interview. And when I say long-form, I mean it because I love to get in-depth with some of the, my, my guests and have nothing to do, by the way, with investing or economics or anything like that. I, I step outside of my real lane of expertise, and I just want people to tell stories. I love compelling personalities, compelling stories. In fact, just today, this is really – some of you are going to think, are you kidding me? You interview that guy to others thinking, oh, I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, but just today, this morning, in a 90-minute recorded interview for a podcast that I'll be releasing next week, is the r- radio rabble rouser, some people would say loudmouth, Kevin Slayton. Yeah, I interviewed Kevin. And... uh he hasn't missed a beat, man. He will He will give you his opinion even today as some of the sports media personalities. But we go way back to even his childhood. And I said, I'm putting you on the psychiatrist's couch. Why are you the way that you are? Do you have anger management problems? I mean, we talk about that kind of stuff. And so that's going to be on the Simon Says podcast next Wednesday. But for now, what you heard before the break was uh, a shorter version. And these are what I call quick hits. Quick hits normally have something to do with what I do for a living, and they're usually only about 10 to 15 minutes long, and they are investment-related. I might talk about why young people should start investing in their 20s, and I show the, 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 the compounding effects of just investing over many years and getting certain rates of return. And I'll, I'll you know, what's a Roth IRA, and then we, we'll talk about Social Security and all that good stuff. And uh, the one that was released today is sort of an in-between, to be honest with you. It's a quick hit, but it was 30 minutes, and I don't interview anybody. I just kind of tell a little bit of my life story in 1984. So, for example, if you go to, like, YouTube and just plug in Simon's Says Podcast, S-I-M-O-N-S Says, of course, S-A-Y-S Podcast, you should see it pop up as a link, and it's a caricature of my bald head. Can't miss it. And then you'll see all of these podcasts that I've been uh, releasing since I started this thing last year. I'm having a blast. And then you can just peruse through it and decide, you know, what looks interesting to you. But if you'd like more of that story of 1984, it was the one that was released today because it gets even darker. Believe it or not, it really goes off the rails. Bad. Where I find myself living in the back of a 1975 Ford LTD. I, I kid you not to having panic attacks, to becoming an alcoholic at that time. Yeah, th- all of that is absolutely true. And I was an atheist at the time who then turned his life over, like Paul on the road to Damascus, to God and Jesus like that. I mean, how does that happen? Well, you have to go to the podcast, I think, to uh, you know learn a little bit more. I hope you find it intriguing and compelling. And I hope you can peruse the rest of it and you find something that's very, very useful. Thanks for indulging me tonight, everybody. We will be back. I will be back a week from tomorrow on the 18th. Hope you can join me. Have a safe weekend.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.